Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to this week's Mum and Mama episode. Happy Boxing Day. I hope you've had a lovely Christmas. Um, I'm recording this the week before Christmas and um, I've got COVID. Yay! Christmas. Um, I should actually be okay by Christmas and I'm not touch wood. I'm really not too bad, thankfully. Um, I've just got cold and I feel very tired, but I haven't. Um, I haven't had the headache. I don't feel fluey. I just feel shitty. Um, so that's uh, yeah, that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny having COVID as a single parent. Well, not funny, but it's like I was looking at the advice. Cause I was thinking, shit, if the kids get it and then they get it after, like later, then that means that. Christmas will be cancelled because obviously they'll be all ill over Christmas but it's like how do you isolate from people that you live with when you're looking after them and the answer to that question is is it's impossible like I have to cook their dinners Juno's still in bed with me because she just refuses to get out plus they've kind of been all over me since I would have been getting sick anyway and not knowing so you know but yeah, it's um, it's just quite funny because it's like all the advice and guidelines they give. It's like well, you can't you can't do anything. There aren't any magic COVID pixies that come in and then do all the stuff that you're supposed to be doing. That'd be nice, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> or if you're a, a member of Parliament, you can just drive your family up to somewhere else and let other people look after your kids. But um, Sadly, that's not the case for me. Um, but yes, anyway, I'm okay. And I hope you're okay. And I hope you have a nice Christmas. Um, this week, it's the second part of my trilogy of women speaking about their gynaecological issues. Um, this one is the lovely Kate, who you'll obviously hear, but she got in touch with me after I did the podcast with Scroobius Pip just because she wanted to help me which was really lovely but yeah her story's an interesting one but i hope you like it and i'll see you in a bit hold up what was that 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Work. Today, I'm joined by the very lovely Kate, who we have actually done this already, but we had some technical issues, so <laughs> we're doing it again, but it's good because there's going to be more stuff in it. Yes. So it was meant to be done again. Absolutely. But um, Kate contacted me after I did my podcast with Scroobius Pip about my endometriosis and she very kindly got in touch with me to tell me that she'd been through what I'd been through and if I wanted to ask any questions or talk about anything with her and I did I phoned you didn't I and we had a good old chat and um when I decided that I wanted to do well it was actually my friend Nicole was like you should do podcasts with people because it's everyone knows someone with it everyone knows someone with a bloody terrible story as well about Mm. it but she was like She's recommended someone that I've spoken to already. She's lovely, Grace, who I would, who I'm going to put out first, so people would have heard that already. Um, and then the girl that tattoos me, she was like one of my her clients has got, and she's young as well. It's like they're really young girls that are going mm. through all these terrible things. But so tell us your story, Kate. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I listened to your podcast, um, and yeah, I heard about it through Pip and. It's funny because I was, you know, as you were kind of raising all these questions, which were really great questions, and I was making notes going, oh, she needs to know about this, she needs to know about that, because, you know, having been through it, I've been through that whole research stage, um, and, but at the same time, I didn't want to overload you with it all in one message, because I know, yeah, yeah, when you first kind of get diagnosed, it's a little bit overwhelming. Um, but yeah, I mean, so in hindsight, my symptoms first started when I was, first started my period, when I was 14. Um, I had really bad periods. I would be in so much pain and would be, you know, taking cocodamols, it's like codeine and paracetamol over the counter, but still be, you know, doubled over, taking a day off a month probably from school. Um, How were they about that? Did they understand your, like, your school? Were they yeah, a bit, like, no, they dismissive? were fine, they were fine. 
Um, I don't remember there ever being any issues. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was quite a studious kind of person anyway, so I think, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of concern about me falling behind. Um, Who prescribed you the cocodamol? Did your mum it, kind of say, look, you need this, or was it the doctor? Yeah, it was my mum, just went, oh, well, paracetamol's obviously not doing it, so let's try cocodamol. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but my mum had really painful periods, and it was just kind of, you know, yeah, just get on with it, and yeah. live with it. Yeah. And then, when I was 18, I went on the pill, and that helped for a while. Um, and then in 2015, like February 2015, I just had one particularly bad period. And it kind of, it was really painful. And I had like, a lot of bloating, a lot of gas, and I just really didn't feel well. But it just mm. never went away. And so after like two or three weeks, I was like, this isn't right. So I went to the doctors and they were like, were you still bleeding? No, and that was the strange thing. So I stopped just bleeding. I just, I just had the pain. Oh. And so then the doctor's like, oh, yeah, well, it's probably a parasite. Um, we'll do, you know, you do a urine test, take these antibiotics, off you go. Yeah. Um, and then a couple more weeks, and I was like, well, the antibiotics have done nothing. That's not helped at all. Um, went back. They were like, oh, yeah, no, it was negative, your test. I was like, okay, great. So what do we do now? So then they were like, oh, I don't know. could be IBS. Um, so they... Yeah, basically kind of looked at kind of doing various diets and stuff with IBS. So I did the FODMAP diet. Um, What's that? So it's basically, FODMAPs are sugars, um, and it's all about how it ferments in your stomach. Um, so it stands for right. fermentable, oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyls. Um, oh, God. <laughs> But it's not the kind of thing so you can just look at the back of a packet and go, okay, well, I can't have milk. And, you know... Yeah. Um, it's, you know... The... Yeah, there's just so many different aspects to it. So you can have blueberries, but you can only have five at a time. You can't... You can have... No, you can't have apples, but you can have oranges. You, you can have certain types of soy milk, but not if it's made from whole soybean. <laughs> oh and they literally God. the doctor just sent just told me to cut it out for six weeks <gasps> six weeks um gave me this pr one printout and just went off you go <laughs> and at this point oh i'm in so much pain and i'm literally ugly crying in the middle of sainsbury's just going oh i don't know what i can eat what can i eat <laughs> and it was just awful and yeah i mean in hindsight, it probably, that wasn't great from the doctor either. So I know other people, even from the same surgery, who got put on the FODMAP diet were having weekly check-ins with the doctor. But, yeah, yeah they, just sent, they just sent me off. Um, <laughs> and it didn't help either, which, yeah. No, um, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, so, I mean, if you've got IBS, apparently up to, like, two-thirds of people can find it beneficial. Okay. Um, but obviously there is a link between IBS and endometriosis. So some people can have both. Yes, um, yeah, but also yeah. you can have, it can be endometriosis, but you can have IBS-type sim symptoms. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so that's, so the doctors were kind of going down the diet kind of route, really. And I... So did you do that for six weeks? Mm, yeah. 
Did you just eat like lettuce and tuna? Essentially, for six yeah. Weeks? Yeah. <laughs> it was How just depressing. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> and obviously, even when you're well, like that's quite an overwhelming thing to take on to have to cut so yes. much out of your diet, but to also be in a huge amount of pain, and you know, just and it's not just the pain; it's the brain fog. It's the um, yeah. you know just the tiredness, but then also not being able to sleep. Um, you know, it's just all of that combined yeah. to then have to completely and did you change feel, your diet. Do you find comfort in food? Like, would you... Yeah, massively. Would you, yeah, I'm you, such yeah, a comfort eater. Yeah, um, so that's even harder then, isn't it? Because when you're ill... Yeah. If you, at least if you can still enjoy your food, that's something, isn't it? But if you can't even enjoy that... <laughs> exactly. And Oh, my God. Yes, it was just nuts. And, like... And in the meantime, I'm, like, going... I mean, I'd just turn up at the sexual health clinic every, like, few weeks and just be like, you have to do something. Um, <laughs> not realising that the sexual health clinic is very different to gynaecology. Like, they're, they're, they're different departments. And they're just going, well, yeah, it could be um, it could be this, it could, it could be an STI. And I'm like, OK, well, I've been my partner for, like, years. So if it is, then there's an issue here. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of... And they basically... Oh, God, they said that to me. Sorry, I yeah. just remember when I went into hospital the last time with my pains, they were like, what? when was the last time you had an STD mm-hmm. test? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not sexually active at the moment, but I was like... I don't. I really don't think it's it's going to be that. And they were like, "Well, we'll have to do a check just in case, because it might be, you know, something." And I thought, "It's not fucking." Yeah. Why is it always anything but what it actually is? Yes, exactly. When they know you've got what you've got. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry, well, especially carry on. as I mean, before we went on to all the IBS diets, I said to the doctor, "Could it be endometriosis?" Because a friend of mine had been diagnosed with it literally the month before, and was like, "Your symptoms sound really similar to mine." And he said, no, 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 it can't be that because you're on the pill. Um, so the pill basically will stop the endometriosis. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's a lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't, yeah. you know, hormones can be a part of your treatment, but just being on the pill doesn't necessarily mean that it's not endometriosis. Um, yeah. You can have, yeah, you can have both. Um, and so, yeah, it took till the November when I went on the Endometriosis UK website and basically printed off all the symptoms, ticked off all the ones I had, which was basically all of them except all the ones to do with the bladder. Um, Yeah. And said, look, these are my symptoms. I really think it's endometriosis. I really want a referral. Um, And they were like, oh, yeah, okay, that could be it. (laughs) And so then referred me. So then I had... Then I had to have an ultrasound and a pelvic examination. The ultrasound was all clear. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, can happen even when you have endometriosis. Um, and then they decided to send me for laparoscopy anyway. So I had like a little um, keyhole surgery. So basically three belly button, kind of bikini line and one in your stomach. And they kind of yeah. pump you full of air so they can have a look. And then... For me, obviously they found endometriosis lesions and excised it all, um, or as much as they could find. And when I woke up, so I came round from the surgery and they said, yep, you've got moderate endometriosis. Um, It was all around your left ovarian fossa, so basically the area around your ovary. Yeah. Your uterosacral ligament, which is basically between your uterus and your sacrum. And then 
in the pouch of Douglas, which is behind, basically between your uterus and your bowel. So right, okay. that almost certainly explains all my kind of IBS type symptoms. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then that was it. It was literally like a five minute thing with the surgeon after as, as I was coming round, and they were like, "See you later." <laughs> oh. um, so what do they cut it out and remove it? Mm, yes, yeah, so there's yeah. two types of surgery you can have. There's excision, which is when they kind of cut it out, and there's ablation, which is when they laser it out. Um, okay. So kind of burn it essentially. The recurrence rate with ablation is higher, so you t- okay. it tends it tends to grow back faster. Um, but yeah, I mean, you also want to have a surgeon who knows what they're looking for. Um, yes. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things I said to you, wasn't it, about going on? Um, so there's a website bsge.org.uk, and it basically lists all the endometriosis specialists in the UK. Um, yeah. And so I fortunately have one. In fact, I've got two very close to me. Um, yeah. So I was able to pick which one I wanted to go to. Um, but yeah, you want to pick one of those. Basically, if you have endometriosis, pick a surgeon yeah. who knows what they're looking for, who specialises in endometriosis. Because then the likelihood of them being able to find all the lesions and excise them properly is higher. Yeah than someone who's just a general gynaecologist who may not who may miss it or may not know exactly what they're looking for. And there's quite a high risk but um when I spoke to the doctor about my surgery, she said there's more it said I think it's two percent with normal surgery but ten percent with endometriosis surgery because it's sticky. Yeah. It's a com- and I was like, oh Yeah, it's a complex surgery I think and it's yeah because there's so many of your organs involved. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, a friend of mine, she, they did the initial laparoscopy, closed her up and then did a second surgery, which obviously is more risk, but um, they basically needed to plan because her, all her organs were essentially fused together with the endometriosis. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. And so then they had to basically... And they couldn't, they didn't know that. They didn't know until no, they went they in. No, they didn't know until they went in. Wow. And so they basically had to kind of go right okay this is what it looks like this is what and then plan this next surgery and how they were gonna separate it all and yeah cut it all out as in the endometriosis lesions yeah wow has she had that done yeah is she okay yeah better much better than she was um yeah (laughs) but there's a risk isn't there when the bowel's involved you know there's a there's a risk oh yeah 100 percent. and you don't want anything happening with that i mean i think by the time i got to the surgery i was just like yeah whatever yeah, 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 <laughs> i was so yeah. you know i mean i was yeah i was basically bed bound for weeks at a time you can't live like that um you can't no. live like that and you know i'd probably have one good week out of four um yeah and yeah it was just you know, you're just having to limit your life, you know, you're just kind yeah. of going, okay, well, I've got, you know, these commitments coming up with work, um, that's going to take this amount of energy, so actually I need to make sure that I don't see my friends next week, I don't do, you know, I don't go for coffee with my mum, like, yeah. I need to just sit at home and do nothing. <laughs> and it's quite So lonely. did you find that then, the more you did, the worse it was? Yeah. Yeah, because I'd just get really tired and... Yeah. 
I just, I mean, even now, like, I find sometimes when I'm coming up to my period, um, I can feel it. Like, if I've been on my feet particularly a lot during the day, I'm going, mm, my back hurts, my stomach hurts, I need, you know, my hips hurt. Because it go all the way into my hips, down into my legs, my knees would hurt. Um, and then I'd, yeah, get pain all the way up my back, up to kind of like my mid-back, and then I'd get shoulder pain as well from where I'd basically been holding myself so oddly yeah. um, from being in pain. Because I used to get, one thing I did was I used to get regular massages. Yes, yeah. Because um, that really helped. But it kind of occurred to me that actually I was treating this, I was treating the symptoms and not the cause. Yes, yes, um, yeah, yeah. Which is why eventually I went and saw a physio. I paid for a private physio and then also got referred through the NHS for a pelvic physio. Yeah. Um, and that helped a lot, an awful lot. Um, yeah. Do you still have that? Is that something that you continue to have or did you just have your sessions and then... No, so I did So I did the general physio until I had the pelvic physio. Um, yeah. And then I did pelvic physio until I got pregnant. Okay. Um, so that was about six months. Um, yeah. And then after I had my baby, um, I guess, because basically part of my problem was that um, everything, my pelvic floor was too tight. So everything right, was like yep. really, really tense. <laughs> well, how was your birth then? Um, it was all right. It was fairly straightforward. Okay. Um, yeah, gas and air. Um, I mean, the pain was... She got crazy. out all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. She wasn't trapped in. No. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so, and then I went back to the pelvic physio after I had the baby, and yeah. she said that um, everything was basically as it should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, kind of, yeah, not as tight, basically. And I think that's part of the yeah. reason why, that's part of the reason why my pain's not been so bad. Yeah. So after sorry, after you had the surgery, you still had the pain, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I still. Yes. Yeah, so I still had some pain. It definitely improved. And I mean. So how? How? What was the difference? So I probably went from. On a normal day, I'd be like oh, at five, in pain. Yeah. It probably took it down to kind of a three and a half. Okay. Fairly quickly. Then with the physio, that took that down to about a two. Okay. Um, and then post-baby, I'm probably, like, most days I'm fine. I'm at a zero. Um, okay. But obviously kind of leading up to my period now, because I'm getting my periods back, yeah. um, you know, I'm starting to kind of creep up to that four again. Okay. Um, but, yeah. How many days... Like out of the month now. At the moment, three to five days, I guess. Okay. So it's not oh, that is... bad. Yeah. Which is part of the reason. But why... that's from having the baby, isn't it? Partly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, the danger is that you know doctors say to you, "Oh, just go get pregnant," <laughs> and it's not a cure at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it helped because, as I say, because of the the effect on my pelvic floor but actually in terms of curing the endometriosis it was the surgery that you know yeah. that was the biggest kind of turning point but obviously there's a lot of 
as I said, like it's a very complex surgery. There's a yeah. lot of healing to be done. You know, yes, I, yeah. I mean, I was up and uh, out and about walking probably a week later, but actually in terms of, you know, if you think of like, if you really badly cut your, your hand or whatever, how long that takes to scab over and actually heal properly. Yeah. You know, it's a lot longer than you'd maybe expect. Um, but yeah, so I mean, generally, I'm all right now, which is good. <laughs> why do you know why having a baby does help with the symptoms? I guess because you're not having your periods. Because obviously the okay. endometriosis yeah. um, reacts to you having a period. Yeah. Um, so if you're not having them, then it's not going to. Which is yeah. why you kind of get a temporary relief. But obviously once your periods return... If you haven't cut yeah. the endometriosis out, it's not, you know, you're going to be back to square one, basically. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then, I mean, I also potentially have adenosis as well. Yes, yeah, so what is, because my friend, she came round to see me, and she told me that she's got that. Yeah, so it's... But I can't remember what it is. It's, <laughs> it's very similar to endometriosis, but it's actually, like, in the uterus wall, um, so it can't be right, it can't okay. be cut out in the same way as endometriosis can because obviously endometriosis is when it grows elsewhere in your body, whereas adenomatous like yeah, essentially part of your uterus. So without actually taking your uterus away, it doesn't yeah. How it doesn't do go they away. know if you've got that? Can they see that in the laparoscopy? Or no. So not? I so it was when I had my ultrasound. Um, she said they were just basically like grey patches um so it it looks a little bit different um apparently I'm not an expert (laughs) um but yeah so that's why it was kind of a maybe it was like oh yeah you maybe have adenosis as well um because she's got my mate's got morphine at home for that really yeah she's got yeah because she told me and I was like oh maybe I can get that because that's what I have in the hospital and I thought well I'd rather have it here yeah and just stay at home because all I'm just going for pain relief. They're not doing anything about it. Do you know what I mean? But I did ask my doctor, and she was like, "If you need morphine, you need to be in hospital." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, I do. Yeah. I do understand that. Because obviously, if I'm in that much pain, then I should be somewhere where they can keep an eye on me." But, but yeah, my so she's got morphine at home. But that's the thing. For some people, they are in that much pain, and yeah, you would just be in the hospital twenty four seven. But so because so they can't do anything about that apart from take away your uterus apparently not i don't think so um okay but obviously yeah it's kind of if you're wanting to have kids and things that's not really an option um well she yeah she's not she's got children um but i suppose that'll bring on the menopause won't it so only if they take the ovaries as well so there's you can have a partial hysterectomy which is your just your uterus and then a full hysterectomy is also your ovaries have they offered that to you at all, the hysterectomy? No. I guess because no. of my age. I'm only 31 at the moment. Yeah. Um, and obviously the last time I saw the specialist, I was I hadn't had any children at all. Um, and, yeah, my plan is hopefully to have another one at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's always, that, it's always that fear with endometriosis that you know the impact on your fertility and in fact that was that was literally my yeah. only question for the surgeon when I came round she was like do you have any questions and I just went can I have a baby <laughs> and she was like yeah I think so 
Um, but you you know, if that's something you want, um, yeah. which I've, not not every woman does, but you know, if it's something you want, I think that is a real fear. Um, God, definitely, definitely. I mean, I'm like now I'm at the point where if they said, look, it's going to be a really complicated surgery, and we're not sure if it's going to make any difference, I would happily have a hysterectomy because I, I don't want any more children now. I mean, obviously, I don't really want to have. I'd rather not have it if I didn't have to, but it's it's not going to affect my life in that way yeah. you know but if I was if this was 20 years ago I'd be heartbroken exactly and I think in some places women are pushed into having hysterectomies um oh really yeah basically saying it's going to cure it which is to say it unless it's adenosis, it doesn't help endometriosis necessarily yeah because you told me that because it, it feeds off oestrogen doesn't it yeah the endometriosis but it can make its own yes apparently it, yeah endometriosis the lesions itself can make its own estrogen so so it can just replicate yeah and grow um Ooh, it's like a monster. <laughs> and so yeah it's so actually by having a hysterectomy it doesn't necessarily help unless you have a full hysterectomy but obviously by having your by going into the menopause early you know you're causing other issues so obviously like osteoporosis and that kind of thing yeah um so you kind of don't want to do it too early um because a lot of women also take um i can't what the drug's called but there's a drug that basically puts you into early menopause and that's another thing that another treatment option that some people are oh, put really? on yeah but i mean you hear all the horror stories like that people react really badly to it um, have yeah. really bad kind of mood swings and things and just yeah it's it's just one of those treatments that doctors like to give you and that doesn't sound <laughs> like a very nice no well they said to me that it might need to be two surgeries because I've got I've got big cysts that I need to get rid of I mean I think I think they're the problem more than the endometriosis but who knows mm. Um, but it might be that they'll go in and get rid of the endometriosis but then they'll have to put me through a false menopause for three months or something to try and shrink the cyst okay and then to get them out because I think the cyst is nearly as big as my ovary wow yeah so yeah and I mean but and that's the thing you don't know you don't know do you until and that's when you're in that much pain and things it's kind of you're giving all the you're giving all these options and you basically just want to go someone to go this is what's going to help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just kind of take all that pain away. But you kind of, because you have all these options, you have to work it out for yourself, really, what, you know, to the pros fair, and though, cons. And When I was in the first time, I think the fourth day when the gynaecologist came round and just basically didn't know anything, I was like, just take it out. Just take it all out. I've got your kids. <laughs> I don't want any more. <laughs> I can't live like this because I didn't know when it was going to end. Like mm. it, I've been in pain for four days. It's like, well, this how long is this going to go on for? You know. But they were like, well, we don't like to do that. <laughs> but I'm like, I just can't. I can't live my life like this. Mm. I've got children. I need to support them. You know what? I can't be in hospital all the time. I'm just, on morphine, which I don't want to be on either because it makes you sick. It's just not. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it. When I was at my worst, it was definitely life-limiting. You know, it was just... Yes. My life became so small because <laughs> I just couldn't do anything. Um, 
How about your work with, what do you do so, for work? Um, at the moment, I work in a further education college. I work in kind of an SEN department. But at the time, yeah. um, when my endometriosis was really bad, I was a PhD student. Okay. So I was really lucky in that sense because actually I was able to work when I could work. So if that was at 10pm when I felt well or at, yeah. you know, if it was at 7am when I first woke up, um, then I could work then. And to be honest, most of the time I'd wake up in a lot of pain and really tired and sluggish. And most of the time I probably wouldn't get going until about 3pm. That was kind of when I would my pain would subside a little bit during the day. Yeah. That was kind of my lull, and I'd be able to actually get some work done. Um, but if I'd been a nine-to-five job, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I'd have had to yeah. quit because I was just in that much pain. Um, yeah. And even when I wasn't in pain, I was tired. I was, say, like, brain fog. Like, I just couldn't... i just forget yeah. things. You know, it's like baby brain, but on steroids. Um, yeah. <laughs> like... But it's, it's so interesting talking to you about this because I've always had... I've, my brain fog's terrible. I mean, I, my memory's always been bad anyway, but definitely since I've had kids, it's got worse. But I'm my memory's useless. I do spend... Well, I think it was actually it was worse when I was younger when I just felt like I had a cloud in my head. Mm. And especially when I was due on, it was really bad. But I... I do get very tired before I get on period, I get backache, I get all these things, I get an upset stomach, but when when I was told that I had endometriosis, I was told that the symptoms are painful periods, heavy periods, pain during sex, and I was like, well, I don't, I don't really have painful periods anymore, I used to, they're heavy, but they're not particularly heavy. My friends, I know friends that can't stand up sometimes when they're on. I've, I've never been like that. And it's never, I've never really had painful sex. I don't know at the moment, but not in the past. But I'm like, if that's it, then I'm not affected by it. But then when I spoke to you, you listed all these other symptoms. And I was like, oh, I've got all that. Yeah. <laughs> why, why wasn't I told about all that other stuff? Because that would explain all these other things that I've had all my life yeah you know oh absolutely and I say it wasn't until I went on the endometriosis UK website and looked at their list of symptoms and there's probably 30 symptoms on there and you know just because you have a few of them doesn't necessarily mean you have endometriosis but you know when you add all these things together and you go actually yeah you know like for me one of the things the doctor looked at and went yeah I think that's endometriosis was dark period blood like brown period blood. I was yeah. like, I've had that since I was a teenager. I've no, I Same. I thought that was normal. Same. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Brain fog. Um, sometimes some people even get like pain when they wee. Um, yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of symptoms on there, and I just went, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. <laughs> Have you talked to people through there? Because have they got, like, support groups and stuff? Yeah, they do. I haven't really accessed them. Um, Yeah. I think when I was kind of trying to work out what was wrong with me, you know, I did a lot of research and probably over-researched. Because I think you're in so much pain and you're just so desperate for it to end. Um, Yeah. And I ended up going on the endometriosis diet which was really restrictive. 
Um, oh. Like we know you feel shit. We're going to make you feel even yeah. worse, and you can't have anything nice. That's to things. So all these like endometriosis kind of Facebook groups on Pinterest and things are going. Endometriosis diet is great, and you basically have to cut out gluten, dairy, refined sugar, red meat, eggs, alcohol, carbonated drinks, caffeine, and soy. <laughs> No joy, <laughs> ever. Um, and it's just... When I told my mate I've got endometriosis, because I don't drink, I stopped drinking a couple of years ago, and uh, the only thing I have is sugar, and I do eat too much sugar, I know that, and coffee, which I don't have a lot of coffee and tea, like four cups a day maybe, but I do like a biscuit. But the first thing she said was like, you can't have any, you can't have any sugar or caffeine. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> It's the only joy I have yeah. in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't think that's the reason why no. I've got endometriosis. No, and that's the thing, it, it puts, I guess for me, like because the doctors were telling me it was to do with my diet, I kind of latched onto that. Um, and you know, as a teen, I didn't necessarily have the healthiest relationship with food anyway. Um, and I think, you know, I cut all these things out and then it wasn't until kind of after my surgery, I just went, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I ended up working with a dietitian, NHS dietitian, to basically try and bring some stuff back in. Um, Did it help? Did cutting all any of those foods out help at all? So I now don't eat gluten, dairy, soy, or eggs. Um, and I cannot honestly tell you whether I've caused that <laughs> by cutting it out for so long. Or yeah. whether it, you know, whether it's due with my IBS as well as my endometriosis, whether it's the endometriosis, I, I don't know. I'm, you know. I cut dairy because I get eczema, so I wanted to try it. So I went onto oat milk, which is the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Love Osley Barista. Oh my god. <laughs> but I do now. I don't ha have that much cheese anyway because I've been on a diet for the last fifty years. But when I do have it, I do notice a difference. So I think that. I probably have got a slight dairy thing, but I think most people probably have, you know. Mm. But I just think we're so ingrained to having it all the time. Yeah. Unless you stop it. But then, like you said, it could be with a lot of stuff. If you just give it up for a long time, then introduce it again, you'd probably find that there's quite a few things that don't really agree with you. No, exactly. And so, yeah, so I'm glad I brought some stuff back in because obviously um, I mean I'm eating red meat again I mean you know I don't drink very often but you know I have a drink every so often um and coffee I love my coffee yeah I, I mean coffee. only like yeah three cups a day but I have to have my coffee yeah <laughs> especially now I've got a toddler joy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you've got to have something mm. because I think the thing is it's like my friend do moans that she hasn't got a six pack I'm like if you honestly really want a six pack you can't have any carbohydrates. You need to stop eating at six o'clock. You've got to work out God knows how much. You can't drink anymore. You can't have any sugar. Yeah. There's so much you'd have to do. Like if you're not naturally, some people are just naturally kind of that way, aren't they? Yeah. But if you're not, then you've really got to work at it. You're going to hate your life. Yeah. And it won't matter that you've got a six pack because you'll be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to have something in your life that you... Yeah, you know. exactly. I mean, I think... Yeah, I mean, I cut... I, I mean, I cut gluten out probably five or six years before I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, but it was kind of, yeah, it was the dairy, the eggs and the soy. I mean, particularly soy for me, if I have even a small bit of soya, um, I get period pain. Really? Yeah, and it's really odd. Wow. Um, 
But I mean, what soy are in? So, and quite a few. So, annoyingly, a lot of the dairy-free stuff that you get kind of um, has soy in as like kind of okay. a dairy alternative. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you can get soy milk and things as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a lot of yeah. soy. Because the thing is, soy is basically um, the protein of soy is very similar to milk. Okay. Um, so you find that some people who are allergic to milk can't tolerate soy either because it's yeah okay the protein is very similar um but apparently so apparently soy is good if you're going through the menopause because it mimics estrogen um which is potential reason but the thing is there's so much unknown about endometriosis and about you know yeah endometriosis itself but then also all these other things that kind of meet up with endometriosis like IBS um yeah it's so under researched you know I'm kind of everything I've I know is mostly through word of mouth you know through kind of um people telling me their stories that what's worked for them what hasn't worked for them and everyone's different and you don't know yes yeah you know as you said like you don't know whether you're just intolerant to milk before (laughs) and I've only just really noticed or you know whether it is to do with the endometriosis or not it's kind of as I say it's I think it's dangerous when you start putting the pressure on us as women to solve our own our own endometriosis or you know blame our lifestyles blame us for what we're going through when actually the issue is the fact that there isn't enough research you know one in ten women have this and they don't know what causes it really yeah um they don't really have um any idea on how to permanently get rid of it um and you know if you think that stop having sugar well yeah absolutely (laughs) miracle miracle it's your fault for having too many biscuits exactly and i think you know i think you kind of end up in dangerous territory when you start and i think i fell down that rabbit hole definitely but because you're so desperate so desperate for it to stop and you just, you know, when it's a five-month wait for my surgery, in you know, what do I do in the meantime? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to obsess. Yeah, yeah. Like, and also, if someone did say to you, look, this is what you need to do, and then it will stop, you'd do anything, wouldn't you? I mean, I would give up biscuits. If it, well, if it seriously was. Yeah. <laughs> if you stop eating biscuits, you'll be fine. Then that's fine. I'll never have a biscuit again. Exactly. But it's just, it might be... But I know that it probably isn't because I have I have throughout periods in my life not had you know as many biscuits, but it's yeah yeah. But see yeah, and the only thing that doctors really do in the meantime is give you pain relief, as you say, like your friends on yeah. morphine. Um, yeah. I mean, I. So you can't live like that. I never really kind of went on paracetamol and ibuprofen, but um, yeah, I've got you know I've got friends who have turned up to A and E because they're in so much pain. And you know, have been at A and E so many times that the doctors are then going, mm, "Are you just drug seeking?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is an awful but position to be in. That's what you feel like when you're, because that's what I'm going, and I'm like, I need morphine. This, I know what I need, and then you just feel like they look at you and think, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right." But it's like I don't like it. No. You know, I mean, I want it because it stops the pain, but I don't like it. Because I had, I've been given, I was sent home with some strong codeine, and 
I mean, I was taking them for a few days after I got home anyway, but then I haven't, thank God, touched wood, I've not needed anything since then. But I did get, I do suffer with bad headaches sometimes, and I, anything I take, nothing gets rid of it. It's just, I think that must be hormonal headaches. Mm. But I thought, oh, I'll try one of them and see if that works. And it worked. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I do want to try and get some more of that just to have in case, you know. But then obviously it's codeine, isn't it? So I don't know. But then when I was at the hospital and I said to the doctor, can you just send me home with some stronger pain relief to prevent, you know, if I, if I can avoid coming to hospital for pain relief. But he um, he said that I need to get that from my doctor because it needs to be controlled. Because mm. obviously the more you take the less it will work and also they need to know that you're not just taking it for fun but then that's when I asked my doctor for morphine and she said no <laughs> maybe I should have gone in a butt a bit lower <laughs> not straight for the but it was only because I was just going to say oh can you just give me something stronger but then when my friend told me she had morphine I was like I'll just ask for that then yeah <laughs> but yeah I'll, I'll try a bit I'll just ask for the codeine next and see if I uh forget yeah. that that's... I got sent home with tramadol the first time when uh I had Lola, um, they felt I had a 10 centimetre cyst when I had my first scan and that burst when I think she was about 33 weeks and I was in hospital for a week. But they sent me home with Tramadol, but I never took it because I didn't need mm. to. Um, and I ended up giving it to someone because they had a cyst as well when they were in a lot of pain. I was like, oh, look, we'll here, take these. But I've never tried that one. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I think Tramadol and Codeine are quite similar, aren't they? in terms of strength and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... The thing is, when you're in that much pain, you need the pain relief. Yes. You know, they, they've said it's one of the most painful conditions you can have. Um, oh, it's worse than childbirth. Yeah. Definitely. I've not had gallstones. My friend had that, and she said that was worse than childbirth. So I imagine it's probably on a level yeah. with that. But, you know, this. It's not great when you have to have that level of pain relief to function just no. your day to day. Um, and as you said, like you know, it can it can lose its effectiveness over time as well. So you need stronger and stronger medication, which is why you know you need we need a cure and a proper cure. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And proper research done into it. I mean, I think there is a bit research being done, um, but yeah, it's and it's quite hard to get because research is so little it's quite hard to get clear answers on things yeah. um but i mean let's say find the endometriosis uk website really helpful and um i follow someone called gyna geek on instagram and she's great yes. she says yeah. she's a guy yeah you put me on yeah her. So she's brilliant she's a gynecologist only ever shares things that are actually kind of based in science and fact and or if it's a theory then she'll kind of make it clear that it's a theory um, and I mean, she covers all sorts of things. It's not just endometriosis, but all things kind of gyny. But yeah, she's great, and I've learned so much from her. It's through her that I found out what my cyst was because I was just told that I had cysts, and I was like, "But what? What's in them? What are they?" But I know now that it's blood, yeah, <laughs> and not pus. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking, well, "What are they filled with? <laughs> and why does it hurt so much when they burst?" Yeah. But it was, yeah, she's really um, informative. So thank you That's for right. that tip as well. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I think it's important to get to get your information from reliable sources. As I say, you know, yes. turning to kind of Pinterest and blogs and things, you just you can end up down a rabbit hole <laughs> yeah. of just kind of you know wild theories. Um, yeah, 
and yeah it can it can sometimes feel unhelpful but then also I do think that there is a lot to be said for women's actual experience because I definitely don't feel like I was listened to or heard by any of the gynecologists I spoke to in the first part of it I mean a couple of people that I've seen later on have listened to me and the woman that I've I've been referred to when I spoke to her she was amazing but I do think that when you you're experiencing it you know there's a lot to be said for that rather than yeah. just doctors opinions yeah absolutely and I think yeah because I mean I was lucky that the doctor I saw when I asked the endometriosis referral was someone was a family friend so I was yeah immediately believed um yeah whereas yeah. I know a lot of women have gone in they've just don't doctors just don't believe they're in that much pain yeah and you know women I think as women we are kind of it's put on us to put up with a certain level of pain because we have periods because we have you know go through childbirth um you know you just kind of told to just shrug it off and off you go yeah um get on with it but it doesn't need to be that way that's the thing no and it shouldn't be that way at all. No, it shouldn't be that way. It's something. It's not right, is it? You should not be in that much pain. Something's wrong. You know, it's it's just wrong. Yeah. So it's something needs to be done. But, definitely. But as you saying, like, kind of, you know, listening to other women, it's like at the moment they're talking about introducing pain relief for when you have the coil um, put in and removed. Yes. Yeah. Um, basically, because so many women have gone it really hurts like it really yeah. really hurts <laughs> and you're just not offered pain relief as a standard which is just crazy yeah. um but I suppose it's just that like oh you're all right because I suppose it's not because it doesn't hurt everyone I suppose like with periods if you have like a, a slight period pain then and someone's really moaning about theirs you'd think well it's not that bad but I've had coils and I've not it's not hurt I mean obviously it's a bit uncomfortable it doesn't hurt but for women to say that they need anaesthetic, you know, that's that's serious, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's like, you should just be offered it. Yeah, I mean, I, my friend was in so much pain afterwards. I mean, her, her coil literally was expelled. Like, she essentially <gasps> went into labour. Um, oh, my God. She was in so much pain. I know people who fainted. Um, wow. But then, as you say, like, I, you know, so the... I've had two coils. The first was done during surgery, um, and then the second was fine. Like it hurt um, a little bit afterwards, but the actual kind of insertion was totally fine. Yeah. But. But that's amazing how different people are. Yeah. Isn't it? But I suppose if people, you know, if people having it done and not moaning, and then other people are like going, "Oh my god!" I suppose they're just going to think, "Oh, shut up." And that's the thing <laughs> when you when you bad. take those, you know, if you think about one one doctor's surgery or whoever's doing. The kind of the insertions how many do they do in a week you know how many of those yeah. women are are fainting or complaining or whatever it's very isolated yeah. isn't it those whereas actually yeah. if you start listening to the kind of or seeing the broader picture of women across the uk then actually it's going actually there's a pattern here there's you know yeah a significant amount of women are finding this exceptionally painful yeah and need pain relief and, yeah. and that's the thing with endometriosis, like, it's so prevalent. I mean, the, yeah. I think it's almost equivalent to kind of diabetes in terms of prevalence. And you think about how much research and money is thrown yeah. at diabetes, and endometriosis is kind of just dragging behind, really. Yeah. But that's because it only affects women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah basically yeah but yes it's definitely oh well thank you so much it's all right <laughs> it's been lovely and thank you for i really do appreciate you reaching out and it because you've helped me I'm so glad. i do really appreciate that good and hopefully we will help many more people yeah, by so. listening to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. keep me informed with all your movements and stuff and let me know how you are yes thank you you too all right all right thank darling you. Bye. thank you bye hi so yes that was a lovely kate um, next week is the final part. Um, the lady that did this with me wanted to be anonymous because she's really been through it, and um, yeah, she just she didn't really want her name. She didn't want to be. I suppose it's worrying, isn't it, when you have um, health issues, especially that are kind of not really understood, like going forward with careers and stuff. Because she's really young, this girl. You don't want people to have um, preconceived ideas about you do you but anyway i'm babbling um happy christmas thank you to my lovely sponsor golding accountancy oh tax returns are due at the end of january aren't they people so if you need someone to do your tax return we are golding.com um merry christmas and happy new year it's gonna be when's an oh it's my birthday next week so the, the next one will be, oh, the day before my birthday. But yeah. Anyway, big love to you. Stay safe, stay sane. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.